Let's turn to Matthew chapter six. Uh, tonight we have a we're going to do a service that that kind of does what that last song did. The last song starts in the beginning of the story and goes all the way to the end of the story. So it starts off with with creation. It moves into uh, Jesus coming and his death, burial, resurrection, and then goes to the return of Christ. Uh, that's what that song did, and that's what we're going to do tonight uh, as a part of a lessons and carols service. Uh, Lessons and Carols is a tradition that's found in uh, many different denominations, and it's something that we at Living Hope have done for sev- several years in a row. And so what will happen is it's a, it's a nonstop service of music, where there's music going the whole time, and then sometimes there'll be congregational singing, and sometimes the choir will sing, and sometimes there'll be readings, and sometimes there'll be brief teachings that do the same thing, start at the beginning of the Bible and go all the way to the end of the Bible, and look at this steady, like steady uh, narrative, this story that unfolds in the scriptures, as a way for us to uh, celebrate the incarnation of Christ, but also uh, just to, to recognize this big story that we get to be a part of. And so that'll be at five o'clock tonight. It'll be here. There will be childcare. Uh, it'll just be a, a very special night. Uh, I believe that if if you've never been a part of a service that does that, it's it is, it's pretty cool to just see it all unfold and to, to engage in the story in those different ways of listening and singing and uh, just reading and doing those kinds of things. So uh, please come tonight if, if you can. Uh, we'd love to, to see you there. Next Sunday, we'll be collecting our Advent offering. Uh, we uh, take up an offering that's going to go to help some families that just, just need some financial help. And so from the beginning, before Advent started, we ask everyone to set aside a part of their Christmas budget to be able to give to this offering. And so we'll collect that next Sunday morning on the 23rd. And then on the 24th, Christmas Eve, 5 o'clock here, there'll be a service that'll be, it'll be less than an hour, maybe 45 minutes, just so you know kind of how to plan your evening window in there. But but um, you'll want to be a part of, of this uh, Christmas Eve service as we get to the culmination. We work our way around the Advent wreath and we get to light the Christ candle and celebrate the light of the world coming. And so we are about halfway through the Advent season. I don't know if you've been doing the devotionals in the box or the readings on the bookmark, but we still have some of those available. It's never too late to jump in on that stuff. Um, as I said in the beginning, you know, at, at Advent, we, we think about the first coming and the second coming of Christ. And typically what I like to do over the Sundays of Advent is, is give emphasis to, give one Sunday where the emphasis is on the second coming. That was last week. You can check out that podcast if you want to. Next week, we'll look at the first arrival of, of Christ. But today I want to look at the fact that we live in between those two like significant moments in history. That we are here, and we know that the, the first coming has happened. We know how it happened. It's a historical fact that, it, that Jesus arrived. Like he, All this really happened, just like God said it would. And so we know that that one has happened, and so we can, we can grab onto his faithfulness in, in watching God keep all, the, all of his promises in that way. As we look forward to his second coming, we know, well, he did it the first time, just like he said he would. And so the second time, he'll do it just like he says he will. And so we're kind of holding on to both of those things as promises made and promises kept. But here we are in between them. And what are we supposed to do? You know, like, how are we supposed to live knowing both of those things? 
There's a, there's a certain extent to which we identify with the Old Testament saints who, who were waiting for the first arrival. They were waiting for the fulfillment of those promises. And sometimes they waited with great patience and focus. And sometimes they were very impatient and were like, what in the world are you waiting on? Uh, they had four, about 400 years where they didn't hear anything from the Lord. And so certainly that was, you know, that was tough. And so we, we are in this waiting period. We don't know when, when the second advent is going to happen. We don't know exactly how it's going to happen. Uh, like I said, there's a, a lot of speculation about that. And we, we love to talk about all the events surrounding it. We, no one really knows. If anyone ever tells you they know exactly what's going to happen, they, you need to just walk away from them. They do not know. We, no one knows. It's really just it's, a, it's mysterious on purpose. But what we do know is that he has left us here on purpose, and we're not just aimless in our waiting. The Bible talks about, about um, like bridesmaids waiting for the bride to come and how some waited responsibly and some waited irresponsibly. And, and that's us. We, we want to be, be the church that's waiting faithfully. That isn't just being passive and be like, well, he'll come back whenever he wants to. Let's just do whatever we want until then. Because that's not what he's told us to do. That's not how he's, that's not the instruction that he has left for us. So we have to think about it. How do we live in between the advents? But based on the fact that we are fully informed about the first one and the second one, we're not clueless. Our faith is not blind. He has given us everything that we need to be able to trust in him. So how are we supposed to live in the meantime? I like to use the Lord's Prayer as the text this morning to help give us an idea of maybe this is some of what Jesus had in mind when he when they were like, teach us to pray. He says, okay, I'll teach you to pray. I'll teach you these, these are the things you need to be thinking about, the things you need to be asking God about. As a church who is waiting to wait well, what does that look like? In part, I think it means to pray in the way that Jesus has taught us to pray. So let me read it. Starting in verse 9. He tells them, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then there's this bonus material that may not be in your, in your printed Bible, but most manuscripts from then on have this last part. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So if we were to use that prayer uh, as a framework, it really, has a, it really kind of starts with what you think about the opening line. If we want to wait faithfully between the Advents as a church, we have, to, we have to get the opening line of the prayer correct in our minds. So um, let's just go one line at a time. So verse 9, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So a couple of, a couple of key ideas. One, the word our means that this is, a, this is a family prayer. This is a corporate prayer. It's, it's correct to say my father in heaven. That's, there's nothing incorrect about that. But Jesus says, you, in order, like, if you really want to be dialed into the kingdom, you need to know that you're not by yourself in the kingdom. That this is a corporate prayer. Even Jesus prays this prayer, our father. So it's, it's inclusive. It is a family prayer to this one father that we all have in common. 
So as we wait, we don't wait by ourselves. You don't exist on an island. That's why the, that's part of why the church gathers is to remind us of like, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not the only one battling my way through difficulty. I'm not the only one who needs to hear Miss Linda get up here and talk about her, like the things that she, her husband went through and what that was like for her. I'm not the only one that needs a candle for hope to be lit, to remind me that the light of the world has infused that hope and that love and that joy. I'm, I'm not the only one. So it's our, our father. It's a collective prayer. This is a family journey. We wait as a family. And it says, hallowed be your name. And hallowed means, it means honored. It means exalted. It means holy. And so our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, is us saying, okay, we as brothers and sisters are all united in this family. And our father is not just any old father. Our father is, is the holy creator and sustainer of all things in the universe. Sin has never impacted him. There's no part of his character or his being that's ever been impacted by sin. He is completely holy and pure in all of his motives and all of his actions and all of his thoughts and everything that he does. That's who, that's who we're waiting with. We're praying to. And so here is this holy, perfect father. Here are all his children gathered together. It says our father in heaven. And this, this might be the most important connection point in the whole prayer for us and our purposes today. Is if you're anything like me and you grew up around church, heaven is, is kind of thought of to be this like place, like way up there, far away, where the, it's, like, it's mostly clouds and angels and harps and... God, you know, there's like a throne room somewhere and stuff like that. And people are just kind of floating around and they're kind of playing their harps and they're singing hymns and they're just waiting and God's ruling and heaven is like up there far away somewhere. And that idea is in part comes from the fact that the the heavens is used throughout the scriptures in different ways. And it's an ancient text. And so they didn't have the opportunity to explore the sky like we have. And so to them, the heavens were not only the sky, but it was also, that's where like blessing comes from the rain and the clouds and the, the, you know, the, the sun. And so they're like all these things about the sky that made like they, earth was not a mystery to them. The sky was the mystery. And so God became up there in a sense, and we were down here and that sort of overlapped in different ways. And then that caught on over time into art and literature and different things. And so there has kind of become this misunderstanding of heaven where we think it's like somewhere out there in the universe. We just don't know where it is. In fact, I heard a sermon preached multiple times in over my lifetime by the same guy who said that heaven was in the northern part of the universe which makes no sense. Like, the galaxy does not have a north. But he was like, no, it's in the northern part of the universe. Okay, it's not in the northern part of the universe. It's not even really up there, up there far away, in the way that a lot of our cultural uh, norms kind of communicate to us. 
that to the biblical writers and the biblical and the, and the hearers of this time in this document, when you talked about heaven, you didn't think of some city in the, in the clouds that they just haven't found yet. They hadn't explored the sky yet. We have explored the sky. It's a big sky. There is not a cloud city out there, only in Star Wars, right? So heaven is not up there somewhere. Their understanding of heaven was not so much that it was like elsewhere, but that heaven was here with them. That heaven and earth are, they're different spaces, but they're not far from one another. That if, if heaven is where God is, and he, that's where he rules and he reigns, and that's like his, his area, his space. And earth is, this is, this is where man is, where we rule and we reign and we make all the decisions. That there are two different spaces, but that doesn't mean that they are billions of miles apart. Or that he has some little hidden pocket out there that, that NASA hasn't found yet. It said these two different realms are actually very close together, but there's just a, there's a veil in between them. The scriptures speak often of, of this, uh, this whole idea of, of God uh, appearing, of God being near to them, of, uh, in the, whether it's, it's in, in Eden, whether it's through the, the tabernacle or the temple, or whether it's Jesus as the temple or the church as the temple of the Holy Spirit, that there are these, these places where heaven and earth, where that veil is either really, really thin, or sometimes maybe there's even like a hole in it. But that heaven and earth are not far distant places from one another. They're actually very close to us. That God with us is not just uh, an incarnational thing of Jesus being born in, in, you know, with Mary and Joseph. And it's not just a bodily return thing for him with the second coming. That God being with us is a literal reality in this room right now. That when they prayed our Father in heaven, they weren't having to like get a megaphone and yell really loud to make sure he hears them. They're saying, God, our, our, our Father, our collective Holy Father, who is very near to us. Our Father who is in this room with us. Our Father who is on the other side of the veil. But He's there. When I was, uh, I was an education major and at LSU, and we would have to go down to the lab school and... Uh, do observations of teachers and stuff like that. It's a part of where, why the school was created. It was to give education majors an opportunity to learn and all that kind of stuff. And so they would um, they would send us over to the lab school, and we would go in have to observe different things. And so we would go into they'd have a classroom, and it would have a like a one way glass mirror kind of thing, kind of like in like a detective room where they're interrogating someone kind of thing, but it was a classroom. It was happy. And, and so this glass would be there and we would, uh, we would have to go into this room before the kids came in and get all situated and they would close the door and turn the light off. And then the kids would come in and the kids wouldn't know that we're on the other side of the glass and we would make our observations and all that kind of stuff. And, and it sounds creepy, but it's, it's on purpose. And so it's all, it's all sanctioned. And so uh, this is like a normal thing that happens at all these schools. And so it was interesting that to be on, the, on this side of the glass, we, and just the kids were just being kids or being kindergartners, you know, first graders, that kind of stuff. And they just didn't know that we were there. 
And they told us, they're like, you need to be quiet, you need to sit still, and all that kind of stuff. And you, like, no one can open the door. Because if you open the door, it lights up the room that you're in, and then it stops being transparent, and they can see through it. And so, of course, one day we're in there, and the kids are doing their thing, and the kids are all facing us. Teacher's here, kids are facing us, we're behind the glass. Someone opens the door, and, like, we appear behind them. The kids are like, ugh, you know, like, what's going on? Then the door closes, we go away, and they're just like so confused teacher has no idea what's going on and we like the teacher she lost them from that point on like they were they were baffled by what was happening because we were veiled and then suddenly we weren't veiled and once they knew we were there they couldn't get it off their minds and i think that's a part of what jesus is doing here in the lord's prayer as he's saying your father your holy perfect family father is in heaven not way out there. He's on the other side of this veil. Don't forget that he's there. Don't forget how near he is. And like those kids in that classroom, once you know he's there, like get to where you just can't get it off your mind. That there's just never a point where you feel like he has left you or he is distant. That heaven and earth, like heaven permeates our earth. It's just another way of saying that God is omnipresent. It's the same thing. He is 100% present with us. Heaven is 100% present with us. The God with us is the priority of heaven. And although he is behind the veil right now, he's still, he's still there. He's watching, he's listening, he's observing, he's caring. And he wants us to remember Hey, I'm not that I'm not that far away. In fact, I'm even closer than you think and realize that I am. But just don't live as though you don't know that reality. And so the overarching idea behind how do we live between the advents, I think, is okay, the veil is in place, but I know what's on the other side. Every day as I live my life, I know that, that there, is a, there is a veil. I know who's on the other side. And everywhere I go, that reality stays in place for me. So if that mindset is in place, if, we, if we're all on the same page about our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. If we have that part down then the rest of it becomes like really like practical things of like, okay, so how does that, how does that make a difference in your, in your everyday life? How does Jesus, like the full presence of God being on the other side of the veil that is very near to you as you go about your life, how does that make a difference? Verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So one way that that, that, make, that makes a difference, that, that heaven being close to you, that God being close to you makes a difference, is this recognition that, that, that there are different kingdoms at work. So there's a kingdom on his side of the veil, and there's a kingdom on, on my side of the veil. And I have this little kingdom, like I can, I can it's, it's where like the things that I say, that's what, I, that's what happens. I make certain decisions, I handle things certain ways, and this is my, my little kingdom, and you have, we all have your own little kingdoms. 
And he says, okay, if, if you are aware that, of who's on the other side of the veil, and you want to live as though that veil were pulled back, then that would mean that his kingdom invades your kingdom. And your kingdom submits to that kingdom. So it's your kingdom come into my life. Your will be done on earth, in my kingdom, as it is in heaven, in your kingdom. It would be like this. If you, were, if you were at an aquarium, like one of those big aquariums, and you're, you're at like the shark tank, and there's big glass wall, and like Jaws is just swimming, swimming back and forth. That's his name, Jaws. Swimming back and forth. And you're there, and if you've ever been to an aquarium, at first you're kind of like, uh, is this okay? And then, you're, then you kind of get confident. And maybe a little cocky. You're like, hey, what's up? You can't get me. <laughs> but that shark's just swimming back and forth. There's this glass that's holding it back. If that glass, if you think of that glass as a veil, and that veil were to be removed, Jaws' kingdom would dominate your little kingdom. Like your worst nightmare would come true and his, his greatest dream would come true. That that water would invade your kingdom. It would completely take over everything about you and consume you. If that were to happen, I hope it never does. That the, the pulling back of the veil of, between God's kingdom and our kingdom, that's what we're essentially saying. Is pull back the veil and, and let your kingdom flood into me and transform everything about me. On earth as it is in heaven. Essentially, just get to where there's no difference between the two. Get to where in my, my entire life, there, I live as though there were no veil. Whether it's commandment one, to love the Lord. Commandment two, to love people. Whether it's how I handle relationships, how I handle money, how I handle decision making. How I handle, like, I mean, I, I could go through my entire life, but essentially what, I, what, what I'm saying is, in every area, let me just pull back that veil. Let's rip that apart and let your kingdom invade my kingdom. Let's just live as though there's no separation. And through Jesus, like, that's a part of, a part of what he has made possible for us. Is that we, like, there is a veil, but we don't have to live as, as though there is one. Like, he's made that possible now. So when he is walking around, he's preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. A part of what he's saying is, hey, hey, I can, I can remove that veil between uh, the shark tank and your life. Like, I can overwhelm your life. I can fully invade your life. I can transform you. I can make you into the person you were meant, meant to be the whole time. So not only is it this, this really big idea of his, his kingdom coming into our lives, his kingdom coming to our world, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not, it's not just this, this big idea. It also gets really, really specific. So it's my life. It's our life. It's this universal church life. And a part of how we do that is we, we do the things that Jesus has taught us to do and modeled for us to do. So when we gather together in worship and we begin to sing, whether you know the song or don't know the song or like the song, hate the song, whatever, it doesn't matter. As the people of God begin to put their voices together and articulate these truths, the veil between heaven and earth gets thinner. 
And we're kind of poking holes in that veil. And heaven and earth aren't quite separate. So he's told the church to gather together and to sing and to pray and to study the scriptures. In these things, we, we blend heaven and earth together. In baptism, in the Lord's Supper, these are things he's given us and said, hey, let's, these things will, will make that overlap. We'll make that heaven and earth like togetherness be really, really obvious to you. When you serve others, and there's a part of you, it's just, it's just resonating for some reason. That's the reason. It's because his kingdom has come and his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. When you serve the poor, when you speak truth to someone who is hurting, when, when we do like all these things that we see Jesus doing and we, mo- we follow him into that and the things he's modeled for us, in those times where you're just like, man, I feel so dialed into the Lord. He's like, yes, earth and heaven are not very separate right now. That's why. That's how that happens. And so a part of what we do as a church is we gather regularly to give you an opportunity to engage in those things, to see others engage in those things as a reminder, but also as an experience to be able to say, man, I love how connected I feel to the Lord after, after engaging in that, after being a part of that. And God says, yeah, the same thing can happen on your commute to work. You don't have to listen to ESPN radio on the way to work. You don't have to listen with some podcast that has zero soul feeding content to it. You don't. You can, that's fine. But if you want heaven and earth to, to, like, to connect, follow Jesus into his practices. Use that time to pray. Use that, use that time to listen to something that's nourishing to you. These are all the things, all the things that if we're going to wait between the advents faithfully, we, we have to do so in a way that's intentional. We don't just stumble into this. But Jesus says, look, you're a whole, like our Holy Father who is with us and near to us. It's about his kingdom coming. It's about his will being done. It's about heaven and earth having no separation to them. However that impacts our personal life or a corporate church life or a global church life, that's what we are doing together as the people of God. Then, verse 11, it says, Give us this day our daily bread. Remember what Linda said earlier? I didn't ask her to say this. She said, I just asked, God to give me enough for today. That's what Jesus was saying. He says, when you're between the advents and you understand that your father is near to you, you don't have to ask him for the next like 50 days worth of stuff. Because he's with you today, he'll be with you tomorrow. He ain't going anywhere. You don't have to stockpile all right, the end of the world's not coming. You don't have to start like getting big drums of beans and rice and stuff like that. He's like, no, that's that's fine. This is a life that is free from anxiety and worry because you just trust that God's going to take care of you. You trust that God does care about your physical needs, but when we live as as with like in full view of who is on the other side of the veil, it's not lost on Him. We're not having to remind him of things. We're not having to like, where is he? Where is his provision? This is not a, pr- a prayer of like reminder. This is a prayer of, of like confident trust. So I'm, I'm relying on you. I'm trusting you to, to give me what I need today. It's not about excess. It's not about 
uh, any of those kinds of things. It's just this humble prayer of saying, uh, you know what I need because you're with me. You know what I need and I'm trusting you to provide. I'm willing to work as hard as, as, hard as I need to work. I'm willing to, to take advantage of every opportunity you put in front of me through which that provision will come. But you, you are my provider. I'm not relying on myself. I'm not relying on, on any, anything else out there. I'm just relying on my Father who's in heaven. His name is Holy. Keep going. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. You want to live faithfully between the advents? Then take relational peace seriously. He, like he has forgiven you. Therefore, you can forgive other people. He has, like, it's basically how it, this is how it needs to work. Is God, for, God forgave me, so I forgive you. God forgave you, so you forgive me. Uh, I won't make you pay for what you did to me because he hasn't made me pay for what I did to him. And so. Forgiveness flows from God to me to you and from God to you to me over and over and over and over again. Eventually we get to a point where we're like, listen, how about we just stop hurting each other? There's no need for this anymore. Like God is restoring our relationships with each other because he's restored our relationship with him. That there is this seriousness with which God approaches forgiveness and his children and how they treat one another. And so the kingdom reality of grace just being extended to one another. And when that becomes the way that this community lives together, those who are not a part of this community look at it and they're like, why, why are y'all different to one another than a lot of the relationships that I see out there? I'm like, oh, it's just, it's who God's made us. He's forgiven us. We forgive each other. And now we kind of get to where we don't hurt as much, each other as bad, if not at all. And you could be a part of that. And so when the people of God are forgiving because they have been forgiven, it is this evangelism tool, essentially. It says, yeah, that's, that's who God is. That's how God feels about you too. He sent his son to die for your sins as well. And if you believe in him, he invites you into that same rhythm, that same family. And so between the advents, Jesus' absorption of all that debt and pain of sin, it makes a difference in how we treat each other. So Jesus says, so your father, your holy father is close to you. Let his kingdom invade your kingdom. Let him, trust him to, to provide for what you need every day. Trust him to help you with all the relational tensions that you experience between each other. Let him, let him be transformative in how you treat people. Verse 13 Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Saying, God, keep me, will you keep me away from trials and situations where I'm going to be tempted to sin against you? Like he encourages us to ask God, to, God, would you help keep me away from those things? I'm not talking about like suffering and pain and stuff like that, but just more like, like do you, how often do we ask ourselves, God, I know in this, in this situation, I'm very prone to do this and sin against you. Would you help, keep, help me just stay away from that? 
But if I find myself in that situation, would you deliver me from the evil that is within me? Are you delivering from my own flesh? And will you deliver me from my enemy? In other words, uh, life between the advents is a life of holiness. To be separate from sin. To not say, I'm going to intentionally do this and sin against my God anymore. So that's, not, that's my old life. My new life is one where I pursue the holiness in front of me. But I can't do it on my own. So my Father in heaven, who's right here with me, will you help me? Either, don't, either keep me from that situation altogether, or if I find myself there, will you deliver me from my enemy and from myself? And the last line, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This is about lordship, essentially. That mine is not the kingdom, mine is not the power, mine is not the glory. We're saying every single day of my life, can heaven invade earth in me and through me? If there's however many of us in here, if that's the way we're all living our lives, every day heaven invading earth, heaven invading our little kingdoms in, in us and through us, if we're doing that and then every church in the city is doing that and every church in the state and in the country and in the world is doing that, that's a lot of, of a kingdom being brought near. But if we think that our Father in heaven is way far away doing something else, we're a lot less likely to understand the reality of the kingdom invading and about daily provision and about living in relational restoration and a life of holiness. So it's like the top button on the shirt. You've got to get that right. You get the first line in the prayer right. The next one makes a whole lot more sense. And the next one, the next one, the next one. And then when this becomes how we live, we are the faithful church that's just waiting. We're saying, you came the first time, you're coming the second time, but I'm not going to just sit here and do nothing. I'm going to walk in the deep fullness that you provide. So our Holy Father, who's right here with us in fullness, I want to live today as though there were no veil between heaven and earth. So help me not to worry because you're taking care of me. Help me not to hurt anyone and to be a vessel of forgiveness from you to others. Help keep me out of tempting situations and when I need to be delivered from myself and my enemy. All this and more because it's about you and your glory and not mine forever. So, the, a part of Jesus' good news was that you don't have to die to go to heaven. It, even, it is, isn't really even about going to heaven. It's that when we die, there's just, there's just no more veil. Jesus says, you don't have to wait for that, though. Like, heaven can be your reality now. now Jesus has done the heavy lifting on this. We bring faith to the table. We also bring uh, effort to the table. So you can't just sit back. God's not opposed to us putting in the work. He is opposed to us feeling like we have to earn our way through. He's not opposed to us doing the work. 
And so you might, I mean, you might be bored to tears. I'm not sure. But if you're not bored to tears and you're thinking, looking at this prayer and you're like, I kind of want my life to be that way. Like I kind of want to live every day as though there were no veil between heaven and earth. Then you need to know that Jesus, that's what he, he wants for you. He has for you. And if there's some stuff that needs to be dealt with in order to make that a reality and you're willing to do that, he's, he's in already. He's in. But the entire Bible from start to, to finish points to, uh, to this reality of God being with his people unencumbered. So he's on the other side of the veil. He's not far away. He's near to you and with you. So you've got to be like those kids in that classroom. You can't forget who's on the other side. And with that in mind, you've got to also let it be like, a, like at the shark tank and let the, let, the, let the glass go, let the kingdom invade. And Jesus says, that's, that's pretty, much, pretty much what I have for you. When the second coming happens and everything like takes care of itself, that veil will be gone and everything's going to be different. But we can be different now and today. We don't have to wait. So if you've always wanted to go to heaven, congratulations. It is very possible in this day, and you don't have to die to do it. But he does say we have to die to our to ourselves, that we have to surrender some things. And so as Advent progresses and we look more and more toward our future, uh, a part of Advent is us being willing, like being ready to let go of some things, to be open-handed, and to say, I want, I want to be, I want to live in the fullness of what you provide. And so before we leave today, we're going to give you an opportunity just to have some personal time to respond to whatever God might be stirring. He may, have, he may have stirred something in you from what Linda said or from a song lyric or from what the kids sang. Maybe from the scriptures, maybe from the sermon, maybe it's unrelated. We want to give you a chance, though, to, to engage with the Lord in some personal way. And so we will offer communion like we always do on Sundays. Uh, you take the bread, you dip it in the juice, and you take it. You're welcome in our communion line. You don't have to be a member here. But think about it as you, as you prepare for it, that this is one of the tangible things he's given us that says, hey, heaven and earth connect when you do this. Prayer is the same way. Heaven and earth are connecting. If you want to pray and come and kneel at the steps, you can do that. We'll have some of our pastors and ministers on the front row that would love to pray with you. You can stay where you are and pray if you like. Heaven and earth connecting. That our giving stations over here on the corner, if you have a prayer request or you want to tithe, prayer, heaven, earth, connect. If you just want to, I, I just want to sing, do it, heaven, and earth, connect. Whatever resonates with you the closest, I'm going to give you a chance to do that before we end our time together this morning. So let's stand together. Let me pray, pray over our time of response. God, I'm thankful that you, uh, that you are not far away, that you are not busy tending to something somewhere else, that you're able to be with us in fullness because there's enough of you to go around. Like you're just that massive. I'm thankful for what a, what a difference your presence makes and I'm thankful that you 
have already forgiven us for the many times we for, we just forget it. It's like we're reminded that you're on the other side of the veil and then we forget. Or we forget just who it is. We forget that holy, exalted, hallowed name of our Father. So thank you for reminding of that, uh, us of that through the text this morning. God, I don't think there's any anyone in here who's a follower of Jesus who would say that they don't want your kingdom to invade their lives. But I'm sure for some it's it seems a little more daunting or impossible. So would you just whisper encouragement to us this morning? Would you would you bring conviction where it's needed? there's some things we need to say no to, some things we need to confess, would you give us the courage and trust in you to do that? We know that you you do the heavy lifting, but we're, we're involved in it as well. And so help us uh, to be ready to do whatever that may entail. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, like who doesn't know what it means to walk under your lordship as their savior and lord, would you just, just give them the courage to come to that front row and just tell someone that's there? And God, however we respond in these moments, pray that you help us all as individuals to connect with you and what you're doing. We love you very much and pray this in your good and perfect name. Amen.